It takes every person to really drive change. And I would say one is really articulating the mission of the organization and who we want to be. Two, leading by example. But three, affording people the opportunity. You know, I can tell you that some team members feel like if their child's sick, they have to take a day off. And I'm like, no, work when you can work, take care of your child and giving people the freedom and um, the space to be honest. So I think it's just opening up those doors, obviously leading, but it's giving people that, that opportunity. Sandy Abdallah brings to Man Baby more than 20 years of senior management expertise that has led her to understand how to change and modernize any organization. She believes that women leaders have the ability to help shape what the future looks like for all women, and that true leadership means having an appreciation for others and leaving a little sparkle wherever you go. You're about to hear how Man Baby is leading the baby category revolution by making the consumer journey easier and providing community and support around their products. Coming up, Sandy shares why she truly believes in trusting your intuition in business, her best tips for navigating the day-to-day of being a CEO, how Man Baby is hoping to give the baby category a makeover, and three ways to shift the culture at your organization for the better. And finally, how Man Baby's Path to Parenthood campaign is creating community around the brand. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Sandy, we are so excited to finally sit down and have this conversation with you. We connected this past year because our companies, we started working together at Socialfly and with Dan Baby, helping with your marketing. So when we met and I initially heard your story about coming on as the CEO of Man Baby and your incredible career, I knew we had to share your story with our audience. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I know, do you believe it's going to be a year? I think we started those conversations in December last year. Time seriously flies, uh, especially over the the past two years. I feel like I have no concept of time anymore, but- None. How old am I, right? You're like, what birthday am I celebrating? I actually, because my birthday was in July, I was like, I had no idea how old I was turning. So (laughs) something has happened over the past few years, but- Leave it to your kids to keep you honest. My child always reminds me how old I am. (laughs) That's so funny. Sandy, I would love if you could, you know, take us back through your career and- how you ended up in this incredible position at MAM. You know, it's such a fascinating story because I started my career selling cigarettes at Philip Morris right out of school. And people look at me, they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it was like first job. I was in Ohio. They paid a ton. And literally I got a company car and I was like, whatever, I'm 22 years old. Why not? 
long story short, moved to New York, followed a boy to, to New York that we are no longer together. We broke up probably six months into moving here. But, you know, my career really, I would say, started to flourish when I uh, joined L'Oreal, number one beauty brand globally. And um, it was such a remarkable journey for me. I spent 14 years there. And I would say what was so special about that organization is that they really take chances on people and they really invest in people. And I have so much to be thankful for, for my experience there, not only from training and development, but giving opportunities, you know, typically you know, people have this ladder where you go from associate manager to manager to director in one function. And uh, L'Oreal really afforded me the opportunity to look at my career more as an obstacle course, right? So I did sales, I did change management, I did marketing, I did every function that really prepared me for this role as CEO of, of MAM. So um, I left L'Oreal Right after my second daughter was born, I went to what I would say was more of a startup. It was taking three startups, merging them into one and becoming part of Global Brands Group centric. So it was very different in terms of the resources, in terms of the product. It was licensing so I spent about two and a half years there when the pandemic hit, our primary consumer was mid-tier. And we all know what happened to mid-tier. It closed down. Our company ended up filing for bankruptcy. It was probably the most difficult point in my career. I had to furlough 50% of my staff. We literally owed some of our suppliers millions upon millions of dollars. So it was negotiations all hours. I was working 18-hour days. My children were home. So at that point, I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old. My husband had just started a new job in February. So it was the perfect storm. And uh, I received a call from a headhunter, wasn't looking at all. And it was on ma'am. And uh, so one conversation led to another. I wasn't interested. And she just said, just have a conversation. So here I am. It was the most organic process that, you know, when, when things say, uh, when people say things fall into place, they, they really do. So the woman who I work for is actually an ex L'Oreal person. We share a brain, but really it, it's, it was such, it's remarkable how the timing just worked perfectly. Uh, when did you start at MAM? I just celebrated my one-year anniversary, October 12th, two days ago. You believe it? Wow, <laughs> that's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> wow, happy birthday. I won't ask you what year you're celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> I won't remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you first started at MAM, what were you hired to do? What were the biggest challenges? Why did they bring you on board? Why were they looking for a new CEO? So I would say that globally, MAM is the number one pacifier bottle company. We, um, we had a lot of opportunity here in the U.S. in terms of modernizing the brand, right? Not only modernizing it, but creating a brand that was inclusive, that really showcased what America looks like today. Historically, you know, we used a lot of the assets from Europe and, you know, consumers are different. 
So one, it was about creating brand love. We are the number one pacifier, but when you look at our brand recognition and our brand awareness, it's actually quite low. So it's really building up our marketing capabilities, telling our story and, you know, being a brand beyond pacifiers. We also sell bottles. We also sell breast pumps. We are a total feeding company. So it was really building that. And, you know, what I always say, it's kind of a, a rebirth of, of the brand. And I'm so fortunate that we have such a heritage and I have such a, what I like to say, gem to work with. You know, MAM's been around for 45 years. In those 45 years, there hasn't been one product recall. And it was one of the reasons that I actually decided to join because I knew the product from when I had children. And I have such conviction for what the brand stands for. And I knew that I could take it to the next level. Half of half the time, it's just like, do I believe in this? Because it helps you really get behind something. You mentioned when the recruiter first called you, you weren't interested. So what happened during the process that made you interested in the opportunity? Yeah, I would say one of my biggest qualities, it's, it's a pro and a con is I'm loyal to a fault right? Thus, I stayed at L'Oreal for 14 years. And, and so for me, I didn't feel my time was done at Centric. And, and to leave in the midst um, and leave my team during a pandemic was really difficult for me, right? So I had the conversation and I missed being on a brand. What I was doing was primarily licensing. I missed the strategy. I missed the marketing. I missed the ownership. And so when I went through the process, there were two women that I spent a lot of time interviewing with. And it was like I was talking to people I've known my whole life. It was so natural. It wasn't this formal interview. It was just discussions. So that was it. It just felt right. And, um, you know, I would say one thing, if your gut's telling you something, you know, follow it. Usually your gut's right. Courtney and I talk about that all of the time. It's like when you don't listen to that voice inside of you, that's when you don't make the right decision. But especially as women, I feel like we just know, like we have this intuition. And when you go with it, that's when that's when all the magic happens for sure. I agree. And sometimes we tend to second guess it and you can't because usually it steers you in the right direction. Totally. I want to hear about your first day on the job and maybe even that first month. Like, how did you figure out in this new, very important role, you know, a lot of responsibility, figuring out how to really bring this brand to the U.S.? Like, what did you do first? How did you get to know the team? Like, what was that first day and that first month like? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I spent a lot of time before I joined just doing a lot of research on the category so that when I came in, you know, for me, I had spent most of my career in beauty. So moving into a new category was really understanding what the competitive landscape looked like, et cetera, et cetera. So I had done that lifting prior to joining so that when I came in, I could focus on the people, you know, and and for me, that's the most important thing is the people and the culture. I can figure out the products on my own. I can, you know, so um, I would say I spent a lot of time listening, talking, 
all levels. It, it didn't matter what your role was, if you were part-time, if you were a consultant, if you were one of medical experts. For me, it afforded me the opportunity to form my own opinions and really listen. My mind works like an engineer. I need to be in the trenches with the team in order to take a step back and see how everything can come together. So I would say that it was a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions. I had a great support from not only my team, but from our global team who really spent a lot of time like educating me on the products and why we're so different. But like I said, the bulk of my time was really spent on the people. How many people are you overseeing? Right now we're around 22. And was everything done over Zoom during this time? Yes. So when did you finally meet people in person? And are there still people you've never met? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are cautious. We share an office space and we just have some people that are, are concerned. And one thing I won't do is compromise the, the health or safety of our employees. But yeah, there are. But you know what? I feel like I know everyone. I am obviously like the most transparent person. I will call someone and just check in and be like, how you doing? What's going on? Um, I'm on Zoom all day, every day. You know, it was great meeting people, going out for a dinner, going out for a drink. And I think more of that is to come. I look forward to bringing the whole team together. How have you managed to, you know, keep the engagement up on your team and keep everyone connected during this time? Any tips or tricks you can share? You know, we start every Monday off with a call across the entire organization. And I just kind of talk about what our priorities are, what we're all working on, et cetera, et cetera. So everyone feels informed. We share business results, shipment results, POS results, marketing campaigns. So, you know, I would say that I come from a school of thought of over-communication. And I just think it's a lot of the little things, handwritten letters. I like to send um, flowers, cookies, whatever, just to show a little bit of recognition. You know, one thing that we recently did was we sent everyone sunglasses, you know, and we're like, your future's looking bright. You know, <laughs> little things like that. And we had everyone put them on and we took a picture and, you know, little things. It's the little things that matter. Oh, I love that idea. That's really, really cute. Looking back on your year at MAM, is there anything that surprised you about the baby space? You know, yeah, it's, it's, it needs the category in total needs a remodel. And I think that's where, you know, my beauty experience and recruiting people that come from different categories and have a different point of view really are important. The category is kind of stale, the merchandising stale. So I think just coming in with a category approach and understanding how the consumer shops, it is so hard for mom to figure out what she needs, right? So how do you help navigate the shelf and help her make her decision easier? So that's one of my missions here. And um, there's some great things in the work that I can't share yet, but we are on a mission to do this. I love that. And I will share that yesterday, the Instagram post about the toothbrushes reminded me I need to buy a new toothbrush for Molly. So 
right? Marketing, marketing works. Yes. <laughs> it's very important because every time I see stuff on social, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I need to go, I need to buy that. I forgot I that. to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. Or I didn't know I needed to brush my child's teeth before they're one. Oh yeah, I had no idea about any of that. I learned all of this through social media content. Isn't it crazy? And yeah, a lot of it through the BAM content that our, yes. that our team works on with. So I'm like, great, keep it coming. I need all this. Yeah, I need it. That's great to hear. What are some of the things that you learned at L'Oreal that you're bringing to your role at, at MAM? Yeah, you know, I think one of my roles at L'Oreal was helping lead change. You know, we were transforming our organization and I worked quite closely with both McKinsey and Bain on, on helping transform the organization to modernize it and really create a people first culture. And I think that's really important bringing your authentic self to work. I think what you tend to find is at certain organizations, people mask who they are, who they feel they have to be at work. You know, you have to be an extrovert. You have to present perfectly. You have to look a certain way. But when you go back and, and they're back home, they're actually introverts. They're reading, they're doing, you know, whatever it is. And we're forcing people to be something that they're not. So for me, I'm trying to create a culture where you can bring your authentic self to work. You don't have to pretend to be like me. You don't have to pretend to be like your boss. You know, you are who you are, whether you're a parent, whether you're an athlete, whether you are a Broadway enthusiast, bring it, bring your whole authentic self to work. And, and that's something that L'Oreal taught me. How do you share that with the team? Is it you, you know, in front of the team at a meeting sharing this? Is it, you know, certain communications that are sent out? How do you change culture at an organization? You know, it's so funny. Everyone looks at, you know, it's the top down, right? People look at you. And I think that that's part of it, but it isn't. Change has to come from the bottoms up. It takes every person to really drive change. And I would say one is really articulating the mission of the organization and who we want to be. Two, leading by example. But three, affording people the opportunity. You know, I can tell you that some team members feel like if their child's sick, they have to take a day off. And I'm like, no, work when you can work, take care of your child and giving people the freedom and um, the space to be honest. So I think it's just opening up those doors, obviously leading, but it's giving people that, that opportunity. How do you navigate the day-to-day -day of being a CEO? What are your, your tips to, to manage your day? And, and you're working from home, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so funny. I actually hate titles. I, I know that's crazy. I hate the title of, of CEO because there comes certain expectations or a title of associate. For me, it's all about just rolling your sleeves and getting it done. And it doesn't matter what your title is. You know, if I, if I could eliminate titles, I, I would. I would say for me, it isn't about being a CEO. It's about being there for my team when they need me. It's about helping where I need to help and helping where I need to pitch in. From a work life flow, how do I balance the responsibilities? I would say it's a lot of flexibility. It's a lot of support, whether it's at work, at, at home. My husband is amazing. He's super hands-on. I have a strong network with my mother-in-law and, and um, you know, it really takes, it takes a village and it's prioritization. And every day your priorities shift and you just adjust. 
So yeah, I, I don't look at it as being a CEO. I look at it as we have a job to do and what do I need to do today? Do you use any special time management tools or apps or do time blocking? You know, what I try to do is, you know, the earlier part of my day is quite meeting intensive. And by the time three o'clock rolls around, I try to log off from three to seven so that I can get my kids from school and fully be present. I think that's really important. It's a time for me to connect with them, to be fully present, whether we're at the park, whether we go to the math museum, whether we're just home. And then I log back on later and I take care of all those emails that are waiting and all some direction, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, I think it's about being present, whatever you're doing, whether you're at work or, or whether you're at, at home. Have you hired anyone new to the team in the past year? Oh, a ton. Yeah. And what are the qualities that you look for? For us, it's cultural fit. I think, listen, there are obviously in some roles that you need a technical fit, right? So, so that's important, but we are a unique culture. It is really family first. And uh, I'll give you a, an example. I had a meeting with, you know, the founder and, and my global CEO. And I was like, I, I can't, obviously they're six hours ahead. It's like, I have to take my daughter to school. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll arrange our schedule for when it, it works for you. I can tell you in my past lives that never happened. It was like, these are the times it's based on their schedule. So yeah, I, I would say that that's really important is creating this culture, making sure that everyone we hire fits within that. Um, so we have our candidates meet with different people, different functions, not necessarily about the technicality. Can they do the job? Will they fit? How will they work cross-functionally? We are an organization, like I said, that rolls up your sleeves and will help in wherever you need help. So if someone in finance needs help, marketing will try and help them or vice versa. So really it's, it's cultural fit for us. Are there any go-to questions you ask during an interview that help you determine if they'll be a great culture fit? You know, I like to understand what people do in their personal times. I think it says a lot, right? So how do you spend your personal time or um, if it's a marketing role, what campaign has really moved you? Any category, anything. So you can kind of see what, you know, they're connected to. Uh, on the topic of marketing, which is how we all met. Yes. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you can share with us a little bit about the new Path to Parenthood campaign. Yeah. Thank you for asking. You know, when I spend some time dissecting and understanding the competitive landscape, you know, what was important to me and what stood out was an opportunity to really create an inclusive community, not about selling products, right, but about creating a support, whatever stage you are in whether it is inception all the way to celebrating each milestone. And what I realized what was missing was this journey to becoming a parent. And my own personal journey really led to this. I got married later in life. We were trying to conceive and I just kept having miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And I just blamed myself, right? And, and there was a scarlet letter and I didn't open up about it. I come from a very traditional Middle Eastern family where you just don't talk about these things. And not until one day, this woman at L'Oreal that I was working for, who is my mentor, 
you know, shared her personal experience as well. And I just opened up and it was this relief and she had gone through something similar. And um, I started talking about it. And the more I talked about it, the more people were like, oh my gosh, I had X, I had Y. And all these people felt shame. And I wanted to take that away. You know, I have a friend who her husband sneezed on her and she got pregnant. She goes, I feel guilty for it. I feel guilty that it was so easy for me. And you look at the face of parenthood today, there's so many different stories of not how you became a parent, but what your composition is from a family standpoint. So for me, it was really important to create an inclusive community that showcased these stories, not only of hope, but also just to show how diverse the landscape is. Well, it's, it's so beautiful and, you know, similar to, to your story. And I, I can definitely relate going through, you know, similar, similar experiences. And I felt the same thing as you, Sandy, it wasn't until I opened up and started sharing, it literally felt like a weight was lifted off. And for you to now through man be giving, you know, all of these people, the opportunity to share their stories and connect and feel like there's a safe place to share people. People want to learn, they want to understand, they want to consume that content. And as a brand to connect that way with parents, it's just, it's so beautiful. So it's amazing to, to be part of it. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, you know, I always think about you know, we here, you know, I think I, I tend to say sometimes we live in a bubble. I grew up in Ohio, right? And and so sometimes things just aren't as progressive, perhaps, and people don't talk about them. So I'm hoping through this campaign, you know, it's giving people some hope and, and some stories that they can relate to if for some reason they can't. Where can people find these stories and see this campaign? On Mam Baby Instagram. We're thinking about how to even make it bigger. And I think that's some of the brainstorming that we're doing. But every Tuesday, we feature a different story of a parent. And, you know, this started, I think, in April. And we look forward to continuing it, finessing it, and really showcasing as many different diverse stories as we can. And you shared earlier that you're, you have a lot of exciting things in store, but you can't share them yet. Is there anything that you can share about what's next for, for ma'am and what you're most excited about? Yeah. So I, I would say that right now, about four weeks ago, we launched a new map collection that I am over the moon about. So it's our pacifiers with these muted natural tones that really you can get them with designs or motifs, as we say, or without. And the consumer sentiment and the consumer response has been spectacular. You know, I think that people are yearning for some sort of simplicity and natural, and now they don't have to choose between style and function and safety. Like I said, we will never compromise safety. So now you have these stylish pacifiers and these muted tones that also provide you the safety. So I'm excited to continue the momentum on, on that. And I would say that MAM is getting a facelift as well in the new year. That is so exciting. We definitely can't wait for that. But I do have a question along the, when you brought up the the safety and the incredible impeccable record that that man has. Yeah. What, what is your process for safety and quality control? Because that's so important to parents, you know, to know that the products that they're using for their children 
are safe and they're tested. Can I tell you, it was something that was quite eye-opening to me when, when I came on, you know, as a consumer, when I was putting my parents' hat on, I would say that I didn't think about it. I just assumed, right? You just assume um, that things are safe, but they're not. They're, and, and I'm not going to go into examples, but I would say that for MAM, first of all, we've been around 45 years. There has not been one product recall. Our pacifiers go through 40 rigorous tests. Not only do we exceed the standards, we set them. Our bottles, 28. We retest our existing line every year. Um, there's over 400,000 tests that go into place. So safety will never be compromised. And, and I'll tell you, it was interesting this morning, we had a call brainstorming some new categories. And the first thing that everyone says, you know, when we're talking about innovation is number one is safety. What are the safety measures that we need to make sure? And the design and the functionality, they'll all come, but we want to take that worry away from parents. We don't want you to think twice. When you buy something, ma'am, you don't have to think about it. Many of our entrepreneurs are thinking about starting a business or they're already in the product development phase. Can you talk through what the process is of breaking into a new category? How much time does it take? Like, What do people need to be thinking about to do so? You know, it's it's so funny. I would say that things have changed so drastically. You can launch a product with just a phone now, right? I mean, if you really think about it. So I think it's changed. For me, it's all about white space opportunity and what's your point of differentiation. So really it's, it's, you know, we talked a little bit about gut. Here you have to follow your gut, but you have to have the backing to really validate it. And when I say backing, it's a lot of research. It's a lot of competitive landscape. And I think it's also financial. I think people tend to think like, oh, I have this product if I get this much in sales, but then you tend to forget about like allowances. You tend to forget about operating costs. You tend to, and then by the end of it, you've just diluted your entire profit. So it's some of those hidden things that, you know, you go in, it's, it's not only have, not only having a great idea, but it's the validation of it. How do you do your market research and how long does that take? So I'll tell you, our Vienna team runs our research and we have more research than you can possibly imagine before we even consider, like today we're talking about this new category. We're like, okay, next step, go back and do XX research. Everything we do is validated in in research and we make sure that it fits the consumer's needs first and foremost. And we validate everything through testing and um, research. It's really important for our organization. For us, you know, some people can bring a product to launch in six months. For us, it takes six years because of the safety, the quality, the testing, the research, the consumer sentiment, the retailer feedback. We take all of this into consideration so that when we do bring it to market, we know that it's vetted and we know that it will succeed. As you know, at Social Fly, we specialize in reaching women audiences. Can you share with anyone thinking about getting into the baby space or going after mom consumers, any insights uh, that you've learned over the past year? 
Yeah, I would say that mom has a lot of choices, right? And so it's about how do you simplify it for her? The number one source of information for moms is other moms. So this is really a grassroots approach. You know, it isn't this large national media. It's how do you connect in an authentic way to other moms who can refer your product to other moms. It's the number one source of information. So for my recommendation is it's really you have to have a grassroots approach and really have brand love. It's the most important thing that we look for. And when we're signing influencers, I, my team, everyone, we will scroll their Instagram for like three years back to see like what they've posted. Have they used product? Is there any competitive? Because for us, it's an authentic brand love. So true. We call it word of mom and there is nothing more powerful. I make all of my buying decisions from recommendations from Facebook, Instagram, and then my friends who are moms like DMing me posts on Instagram. Like that's how I find out about every product and make literally every single buying decision. Yes, I, I agree. You trust them, right? It's a trusted source. You know, it's interesting as we think about what MAM stands for, you know, one of our pillars is is talking about don't ask us, ask a MAM mom, right? Because of course we're going to tell you the 45 years, we will never compromise, but ask another mom that uses MAM and, and let her validate it for you. It's so true. I mean, that's why we always talk about at Socialfly with influencer marketing and why these real, you know, mom influencers are are so powerful for brands because someone's going to listen to a mom who's talking about using your product over, you know, an ad coming direct from brand. It's so important. Exactly. And I think that's really, when you think about ads, I think that's really the, the future is influencer content for paid ads. It's just so much more authentic. Well, you know, we couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sandy, this is a fun new segment we've been doing that you weren't prepped for. We're going to do a few rapid fire questions. So the first thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? Oh gosh. All right, let's do it. All right. How do you stay rested? Seven hours of sleep a night. What is a new skill you would like to learn? A foreign language. What's a baby must have that parents tend to overlook? A pacifier. Where is your happy place? In the yoga studio. How would your friends or family describe you in three words? Vivacious, animated, trustworthy. And finally, what is your hidden superpower? The ability to read people, engage people, and have people open up. I love that. Would you say that's just like a natural talent of yours or it's a skill that you've learned over the years? You know, I think... um, I grew up the youngest of six kids Wow! in a, a large Lebanese household, 81st cousins. And I think being the youngest, you had to found, find your voice, right? And so I had the loud voice <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you just got to observe and spend a lot of time with people. And I think it's something that was innate. What does a typical day outside of work look like? <laughs> yeah, 
it's family first. I try to get a little bit alone time, like a workout in whatever that may be. But really, we try to spend the weekends, my husband and I with the kids, whether we're going, my kids are really into art. So we we frequent like the MoMA, the Met, or meeting up with friends for dinner, family, friends, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really family first. And trying to find, you know, a little time where my husband can have like an hour to himself to work out myself and then we regroup. And what have you been inspired by lately? Are you listening to any other podcast or any books? You know, it's interesting. My son's at this remarkable age. He's, he's six years old and he's an old soul. He became fascinated with David Bowie when he was four. He's really into Pearl Jam right now, really into music. I love that. So as a surprise, we took him to see Hamilton. Mm. This is his first Broadway, Broadway show last week, two weeks ago. And I had seen it with a friend, but I was so inspired watching it through his eyes and, and, and seeing it in the animation. And, you know, you look at these Broadway shows from a different perspective and, and it's the same going to an art museum. You know, we, we took a step back and we were looking at the Starry Night And I was like, what do you see? So just really seeing things from our kids' perspective has inspired me considerably. It's so beautiful. Was that his first Broadway show? Yeah. What a good one. I know, I know. How is he ever going to see another Broadway? He's going to think they're all that good. Yeah. That was the, Courtney and I went to see Hamilton. I think that was the last Broadway show we saw before everything shut down towards the end of, when did we see that, Courtney? Was the end of 2019 or right at the beginning yeah, of 2020, was, like right before, and we went to go see Hamilton and then Broadway was closed for- It was closed, right? Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting going back, Broadway had just had just opened, I think two weeks ago and, and going back, it was this revitalization of New York. Like I was at peace. I was like, New York is back, right? Because it's such a big part of our community. So being there, it just felt so good and on so many different levels. It's so, so nice to hear that. I'm such a Broadway person. I grew up doing musical theater and I love, love, it. love theater and Broadway so much. So my heart was broken for the past year and a half right. when everything was closed. So I love hearing that. Yeah. It's like a, a piece of you is missing a piece of our city. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite mantra or quote that best defines your work ethic or values? So it's interesting. There, there's probably two of them. The first, chop, chop. You know, sometimes I think that we tend to overthink or maybe I don't want to do that, procrastinate. And my philosophy is like, let's just get it done. Like, mm-hmm. let's just roll up our sleeves, get it done, chop, chop, let's do it, right? Because sometimes when you just talk about it, talk, it's like we could have just gotten it done. So yeah. so I'd say chop, chop, let's do it. And then the other one is leave a little sparkle wherever you go. And I stole this from a dear friend of mine. I just love it. Whatever you're doing, leave a little, leave a little sparkle where you go. I love that. Sandy, what are you most grateful for every day? It's so much. It's a really complicated question on on so many levels. You know, my father passed away when I was was really young. I grew up very frugally and the youngest of, of six kids in Ohio. And, you know, my journey to get where I'm at, I don't take one thing for granted at all. And for me, I feel so blessed to be able to live the life that I have. 
not only from a professional standpoint, but really from a personal standpoint and to provide our children with opportunities that I never had. You know, for me, it comes down to two things. It comes down to education and experience. You know, I've one of these people, I never dreamed of having a big house and all these things. For me, um, you know, if there's a gift I can, I can leave my kids, it's really education and experiencing the world, experiencing the world um, and just having an appreciation for, for others. Sorry, I was so into, into what you were saying. <laughs> what does work-life balance look for you as a mama pranista? Yeah, you know, I don't believe in work-life balance. There's no such thing. And, and I, I think I say this all the time, work-life balance insinuates that it's 50-50 and it's just not, it's, it, it's not. There's days that I am working around the clock because I'm prepping for a board meeting, I'm at a shoot. And there's days where my family life needs me more, whether my kids are sick, whether there's an event at the school. So for me, I always say it's, it's a work-life flow and it's not about choosing. If we give people the platform and the opportunity to not have to choose, you get such better results from your team, right? You don't, I don't feel like you have to personally check in, you know, at X hour and check out at X hour. It flows, right? Your life flows and, and so should your work life flow. I, I couldn't agree more. And especially with all the changes over the past few years and, you know, so many women especially are, are working from home and may have kids home and, and things come up, you know, I think you have to learn to be adaptable and let people live their life as long as they're getting the work done, whether it gets done at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. It, it got done. <laughs> it got done. You know, I, I say to my team, I'm like, I don't care if you're at the beach, just get it done, right? So I think it's really important to instill that, that value. And I would also say that people are loyal to their leaders. They're loyal to people. They're not loyal to organizations. So for me, if I can create a foundation and an organization that allows you to be authentic, to not have to feel that you have to lie about running out and doing an errand, then that's a win. How do you build that trust and connection over Zoom right now? Is there anything that you've done that's worked really well? I'm very open with my team. I'm like, listen, I'm running to the school or I have to run out to the bank or blah, blah, blah. Like I lead by example. I'm like, sometimes I think my team's like, really? You're telling me this? And I'm like, but for me, it's about setting that example, mm -hmm. right? And now I've, I've seen that my team has started doing it. It's like, I have physical therapy, so I can't meet at this time or my son's school called, I have to go pick him up, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in that one, it, it's really leading by example. So important. Sandy, thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey and story. Our final question for today is what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? It means the ability to help shape and, and form what the future looks like for all the women out there. And I, you know, I'm saying women, but it's really everyone that. If you want it, you can make it happen. And it's really setting that example and being a mentor, being a source of inspiration and just being authentic. You know, it's not about saying a company line. It's about being who you are. Mm -hmm. 
We couldn't agree more and cannot wait to continue to follow your journey as well as being part of VAM's journey and story. And we can't wait for all the new launches. So we'll definitely be sure to, to share with our Entrepreneurista audience as soon as everything is, is out. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And for our listeners who are interested in buying VAM products, where's the best place for them to do so? Yeah, so follow us on Instagram, mambaby underscore USA. And you'll get a ton of amazing content. Follow our path to parenthood. So much exciting stuff on the horizon. And then to buy our products, Amazon, Walmart, Target, any major retailer has our product. So chop, chop. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Sandy. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.